Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. way too many people in this world right now who aren't told that they are loved, who aren't told that they are appreciated. That's a large portion of why I do what I do. I want to take you back to 2020, if you don't mind. During the height of the pandemic, a Louisiana school teacher picked up TikTok and started recreating their favorite wrestler entrances. This caught the imagination and stole the hearts of the wrestling community. He has since featured on WWE programming, The Bump, and is fast approaching 1 million followers on TikTok. We have him today for longer than 10 seconds. The Professor Nick Harrison is on Cultaholic Island. Professor, how you doing? Mr. Campbell, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. You are looking gorgeous this morning. Oh, stop it. Stop it. I'm I, I, <laughs> I have not. I have had and and I'm really struggling with this at the moment. Since the since we got back from the holidays break, I've had brain fog. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm half making cups of tea and then leaving the room to do some ironing and going, oh yeah, I was making a cup of tea there. I'm like forgetting people's names and like, um, I don't know whether that's a normal thing for when we all come out of Christmas and New Year's, where we all forget where we are, what day it is, what time it is. You must get that, right? Yeah. Oh, I get it all. As an educator, you know, we're out on holiday break now. Uh, I actually don't go back to work for a couple of days. So that's happening to me all the time. I'm waking up and I'm like, okay, is today Monday or Tuesday? <laughs> so it, this is definitely something that I can relate to because I'm always, but I'm in a fog all the time. So that's nothing new. That's not just a holiday thing. That's a, that's a Harrison thing. That's it's a Harrison fog. The finest of all the fogs. <laughs> Uh, on the day this goes out, uh, it's the Buffalo's last, it's the Bills' last game of the season against the Jets. Okay. Um, thoughts on the season? Uh, I am very proud of uh, what the Bills have been able to do this season. I know that uh, there have been a couple of missteps along the way. Uh, there's some things that need to be cleaned up. I sound like I'm playing. You know, we're just, you know, taking it one game at a time. You know, you don't worry about the games in the past. You worry about the game that's coming up. And it's just, <laughs> no, it's, I'm, I'm very happy about how the season has gone, especially the fact that I actually got to go to Buffalo for a game, which was just amazing. Uh, to experience uh, Bill's Mafia in mass like that 
was absolutely incredible. And going to the New Orleans game as well for Thanksgiving was just uh, incredible. Uh, it's been a great season. Uh, they've clinched the playoff spot. They went against the Jets and they win the division and get a home playoff game in the first round. So uh, that's what we're looking to do. And uh, you can't take any opponent lightly, especially a division opponent. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the game is going to turn out. But uh, I'm confident that it will be a Buffalo win. What made you become a Bills fan? Uh, this was uh, this is a question that I've been asked all year because of things that have happened, especially when I was in Buffalo. They were like, wow, well, you're from Louisiana. So let's go back. Um, uh, I was in New Orleans for the game. We're out on Bourbon Street and a bunch of uh, Bills fans are like, so uh, when's the next time you're coming up to Buffalo? I was like, I've never been to Buffalo before. And they're like, you're a big fan. How have you never been? to Buffalo for a game. It's like, I'm in Louisiana, man. I, I've grown up here. I started watching the Bills when I was 10 years old, watching Super Bowl 25, uh, which is the infamous uh, wide right game where the kick goes to the right and uh, the Bills end up losing the Super Bowl to the New York Giants, which is the first of four Super Bowls they lost in a row uh, in the early 90s. And uh, that's where my fandom began is you know watching those super bowl games and just you know latching onto that team and even after they lost that fourth super bowl and had the drought and all that stuff i stuck around and i stuck with my team and just became much more of a die hard and just dug deeper and deeper into the lore of the buffalo bills and that's you know then about a decade or so ago uh bills mafia popped up on twitter and that's when the 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 real fans started just pouring into it. Say, okay, this is who we are. And this is what we're going to be. And that's, you know, the table breaking and all that stuff that you've seen. But there's so much more <laughs> than that. You know, they that that's what people see. And that's what they kind of, you know, uh, associate Bills fans with. But uh, if you, you know, pay close attention to the charitable efforts and, you know, donate the money after Trey White got injured during the uh, game against the Saints, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, they uh, Bills Mafia decided to uh, donate twenty-seven dollars a piece, which was Trey's number twenty-seven, uh, to the Northwest uh, uh, Food Bank, Northwest Louisiana Food Bank, and ended up raising over one hundred thousand wow. uh, dollars for Trey's favorite charity. And that's something that they tend to do. That, that Bills fans, Bills Mafia, especially tend to do on a regular basis. And we love uh, giving back charitable efforts. You know, shout out to Bills Mafia and Dale Reed and the Bills Mafia babes, Kristen Kimmick. And uh, all those guys, it's just, you know, I'm very proud to be a part of that fan base because as people are starting to see, especially this year, it's one of the more kind and they're a little wacky, but it's one of the more <laughs> kind and generous fan bases that you're ever going to see in the NFL. And I'm proud to be a part of it. But I think that's why we love them, because they are very wacky. Like there's there's such a there's such yes. a fun like I got introduced to Bill's Mafia through you. So it was it was yeah. me discovering that, and and there is just such a a wonderful community uh, raising all that money uh, for the food bank, and and just getting together, having a good time, and it's just the fact that you've never been to Buffalo before, and they're like, "Hey, get in here, get in here, yeah. get in here, get them." It was it. like it was I it was like I'd been there for years. They they embraced me and brought me in, and as soon as the game was over and I was leaving, the first question was, "So when are you coming back?" Oh. It's just it's a very family atmosphere with Bills fans and I'm very proud to be a part of them and uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Amazing. I'm getting a bit of a crackle on your microphone before we go any further. Um, 
Hello, hello, hello. Is that is it's, that any better? It's probably got, it's, it's it might be scraping against your beard, possibly. Ah, that's what it is. It might be that. Let's see if possibly. I can bring that. I, I was trying to look see whether you got a lapel mic in, but I think I think yeah, that sorted it. Oh. Is it back? Oh, here it is. Okay, here we go. Oh, back in. I think that sounds fine now. It was scratching against okay. your gorgeous beard. That's all it was. I thought, I'll, I'll nip that before we get any further. Just in case. Okay. But that's all good. The beard, man, it's always getting in the way. The <laughs> but never it's change it. Never change it. No, I don't. Never. It'd be horrifying to think happen. of it. Not a horr horrifying thought. As, um, as, as well as being part of the Bills Mafia, uh, as we've all discovered, you are a massive wrestling fan as well uh, through your exploits on TikTok. It's just been, it's been a deep joy. We're going to get into all of that because lots of people uh, who are going to be listening to this today, watching this on our Patreon, will we'll, we'll go, it's the guy off TikTok. It's the professor right. off TikTok. I want to get into all of it. But you've, we've got the small matter of sending you to a desert island. Whilst we're here, oh. Mr. Harrison. So oh. we are going to send you to a desert island with three wrestling matches burned onto a DVD or a Blu-ray. I don't know. Well, you don't know what you do these days uh, that you yeah. can watch whilst you are there. So I would like your first wrestling match, please, Mr. Harrison. Uh, my first match will be from Hell in a Cell uh, 2020, uh, which was uh, in the Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso uh, it, an I quit match inside Hell in a Cell. And this is not a match that you would look at and say, it's not your five-star match. It's not your 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 classic match. But it, the storytelling in that match and what it meant to the beginning of, uh, you know, the whole tribal chief Roman Reigns deal that we see now and uh, main event Jey Uso uh, with what he was able to do and the storytelling that they were able to do during the match, I just love. I watch that match on a regular basis, Tom. I'm not even kidding. Like, I go back and I watch that match all the time. Because if you remember, this was during the time of the Thunderdome. So they didn't have crowds there. Uh, so a lot of times, especially in matches like that, you had to really vocally tell the story along with tell the story with what you were doing in the ring. And just the way that Roman was talking to Jay during that match, it's just some of the more quotable things that Roman Reigns has said during this run as the tribal chief were said in that match, uh, in that Hell in a Cell match. I even have a shirt uh, with uh, his picture with Afin Sika at the end with him holding up the universal title. And it says the tribal chief never quits. Because that's something that he said during the match. Like the referee is asking Roman if he quits, and Roman's just half asleep on the match. The tribal chief never quits. No, no, not the tribal chief. The head of the table never quits. That's what he said. The head of the table never quits. And it's just the way that he was saying this stuff during the match. He was the. He, he, it reminded me of you know how villains at the end of movies or right before they're about to kill. The, the 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 protagonist the hero they give that long speech right before they do it and roman had this villain's speech at the end of the match because if you remember in the match roman basically told him throughout the match that he was going to end him if he doesn't acknowledge him you better acknowledge me you need to acknowledge me you need to quit acknowledge me before i end you and roman looked like he was really about to just end jay uso like he's standing over him with the ring steps and leaning over his lifeless body 
and leaning over the ring steps while the ring steps are basically on top of Jay's neck. And he gives this long monologue of what he's about, of what he's, let me see. <clears throat> ever since we were little boys, ever since we were kids, you knew I was better. Now, I can understand back then you trying me, but we are 35 years old and you are still testing me. Like he's here. It's like oh. he's here. Oh, God. And that's it's the one thing your... that I think was really great about the Thunderdome was because you didn't have that raucous crowd noise all around you. It was piped in. But what happened was then a lot of these wrestlers were able to have this really emotive dialogue in the match where they weren't trying to... Because right. normally when, you know, as you know, when you're in the, you know... In a, in a in a wrestling arena, like the wrestlers will talk from the diaphragm, so the back of the room can hear. It's you know it adds to that idea about wrestling being panto because they're going, "I'm going to hurt him." Yes, and but in the in the the intimacy of the Thunderdome, where they can't hear the crowd noise, they're talking softer, and and there is more depth to what they're saying. And this match is the ultimate example. Of moments like 100%. that, that bit with the steel steps, as he's saying, you're still trying me. Oh. And he's not talking like a wrestler. He's talking like a person talking to yes. a family member. And the yes. emotion in that match, because there is, because Ro Roman's character as the universal champion is the greatest work I think he will ever do. Because in matches like that, like the one with Jey Uso, there is an aggression to him, but there's there's a sadness and there's a reluctance as well because he's like, look, I'm the general idea being, look, I'm gonna break you. Please just quit because I'm not gonna. You're gonna have to, and it's gonna get really bad. And and it's that idea of I don't want to do it, but I'm gonna have to because you're trying me. Mm. And it's just yeah. sublime. And then there was the bit with Jimmy Uso. When he stepped in and, and it felt oh. like an appeal for calm, like you've almost felt yeah. like Roman Roman coming back. And then he, he didn't. Because <laughs> Jimmy runs in and starts using their real names. He's like, this is Josh, fool. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's very personal and very real. It's like, what are you doing? And Roman starts just bawling and sobbing. He's like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And he's just like tears, legit tears running down his face. And Jimmy extends his hand to Roman. He's like, I got you. Whatever is going on, I don't know if it's Paul Heyman. I don't know if it's that title. Whatever it is, we got you. Just come on back, Oos. And Roman grabs his hand, pulls him in, locks in the guillotine. And that's what make, makes Jay quit. Like, Jay will not quit because of the physical pain that's being brought to his own body. But he quits to protect his brother. And then this is what begins... Jay Uso becoming the right hand man of Roman Reigns and starts that whole trajectory and the stuff with Jimmy once he's healthy and comes back. And it's just it there's so and then often Sika after the match is over, standing at the top of the ramp, adorning Roman with the Chiefs beads and standing there with him while the Usos are sitting in the ring staring like this mother is just the best thing ever. It's oh the the storytelling in that match are just peak Roman Reigns and what that character is now. And I legit go like I've got that whole 
monologue at the end memorized. Like it's just, you still don't understand that I'm the man, that I'm the tribal chief. I'm going to end you because. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. People, oh. people will complain about how Helena Cell's aren't as as iconic as they used to be because they're not as ultra violent as they used to be uh you know no mm-hmm. one's flying off the top of the cells and getting uh, bust open from ears to toes but what you had in that match was a different level of of violence it was a raw emotional one and i feel like when mm-hmm. done right that kind of stuff gets much deeper into your brain than throwing somebody off a cell Oh, 100%. When done right. When done right. Just (laughs) putting it at, like, all the violence at the end done to Jey Uso, where Roman is almost like, I really don't want to have to do this, but you're forcing my hand. And the emotion that's behind everything. And then the fact that a strap match broke out in the middle of this match. Like, it's an (laughs) I quit match inside Hell in the Cell, and a strap match breaks out. And the best to me, the best quote of the match for Roman's like, you go, you go whip me. I do the whipping around here. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing. And this is Um, this is why I love doing doing this show because you get wrestlers and wrestling fans and, and wonderful people who we all have opinions on wrestling day to day. And it's easy when you do this job in particular to, to get sort of bogged down in too much of the detail. But what this all comes back to is, is, is you and I just talking about something great in wrestling and remembering like how much you love it when it's good and when it's great. Where did it start with you as a wrestling fan? When did you become a fan? Uh, very early age. Uh, when I was a child, and I would be sitting on my uncle's floor in like diapers or pull-ups or whatever it was at that time. And I was watching old NWA matches. You know, if you look, you see the uh, right behind me is the NWA uh, World Television Championship. The old ah, one. there it is. It's right over my shoulder. And that's, uh, you know, that was a time for me where wrestling was pure and real. And you saw like those rivalries and those emotions, you know, your four horsemen going against the Royal Warriors, Magnum TA, Dusty Rhodes, uh, that kind of stuff was really what drew me in as a young man. And my love just continued to foster and grow. I just continued to foster it and grow it and add to it and just become a connoisseur of it, really. You know, I, you talk about having a love for it and seeing the passion that wrestling fans like bringing wrestling fans on and uh having seeing the passion that they have for it and how they love it and i hope that through the stuff that i do on social media through TikTok, twitter instagram that people see the love that i have for the business of professional wrestling you know loving the characters loving the theme songs loving the ambiance everything that goes goes around it and really just enjoying it because i think sometimes we lose that uh as fans some fans lose it anyway where they just take it so seriously i can't believe that this is what like the whole thing with day one and roman with uh, brock lesnar being moved from the Roman Reigns match and ending, and winning the WWE championship, him winning that championship is now what has us with uh, the match that we wanted for, for uh, what seems like forever between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. You know, you have to understand that 
patience in professional wrestling as a fan is a true virtue because so many wrestling fans want that what they want and they want it now and they don't want to wait for you know what's going to develop from it and they just instantly get upset and angry i can't believe and then they finally get it. It's like, oh, well, they didn't have to do all that. You're, now you're begrudgingly accepting what you wanted anyway. Such It's such childish behavior. Where it's like, this is what I wanted anyway, but I didn't get it the way that I wanted it. So now I'm upset. Just enjoy it, man. Enjoy what's in front of you right now. And don't be so angry and vile towards others because it doesn't automatically go your way. It's going to be fun. I think we live in an era, and it's a it's a bit of a cliche, but it's so true. We live in a time now where there is so much access to information, and and everybody has a, a platform for opinion. That it's it's easy just to go, oh, everybody hated that. Well, no, they didn't. Just just a couple of very noisy people didn't like it, but it just looks like mm. everybody hated it. You know the the right. and and I get that completely. And and to go back to those those early years, you in diapers watching the NWA. Um, who was one of those stars that really jumped out to you? Can you remember the first wrestler that you gravitated towards? Well, the first wrestler that I gravitated to was Rachel Boy Ric Flair yeah. uh, because of the flamboyance, because of the style and profile, because of the the promo, because of the woo, because of the, the flair that he had in the ring. You know, there was just, you know, there's a swagger to certain guys. And he had it, you know, there was a swagger to Ric Flair. There's a swagger to Arn Anderson. And, uh, you know, he's so underrated with what he's able to do on the mic. And a lot of people are seeing it now with the work that he's doing with Cody Rose and AEW. Uh, but, you know, old school fans remember, you know, he was probably better on the mic than Ric Flair was because of what he was able to do and the emotion that he was able to put out there. And uh, guys like that, guys like Sting, of course, uh, just jumped off the screen at you, Dusty Rhodes, uh, the Raw Warriors, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express. You know, Ricky Morton uh, was always one of those guys to me that kind of, you know, was far beyond what you saw on the screen. Like he just, you know, the 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 fire and just heart that they would exhibit with everything that they did, you know, you're Nikita Koloff's another guy that I just truly loved uh, back then. It's just so many great wrestlers and what, what they were able to do with what they had, because back then, you know, the production quality wasn't as great as it is now. So it was incumbent on a lot of the performers, you know, if you're going to get over and get across to that audience, you really got to bring it. And there were those special few that did that. You know, your your uh, fabulous Freebirds, your Von Erics, uh, they just had that it, and that would that jumped off of the screen at you. And those were a lot of the guys that, when I was younger, that I really just looked up to and was like, wow. Your Brian Pillman's, uh, stunning Steve Austin's, you know, Vader, just. Ron Simmons, I could go on and on with some of these old WCW, NWA guys that I just really loved and would love watching. Uh, so it, it's just cool to be able to go back and be nostalgic with that kind of stuff because it's what I came up on 
and it's it's what gave me the love of wrestling that i have today uh, away from wrestling what was what was life growing up for mr harrison like uh you know grew up in a single parent household with my mother a uh, small town grambling louisiana uh but you know it was uh, the epicenter of a lot because grambling was the home of the premier historically historically black college and university in the country in grambling state university and during that time in the 80s and 90s it was the place to be uh for you know hbcus and we had uh, one of the greatest college coaches in history, Eddie Robinson, uh, who had a, you know, tremendous career as a college football coach. And so people were always coming in for games. The town was always hopping. There were a ton of people that were at the school. Uh, and my mom worked on the campus. So I grew up basically on a college campus in the 80s and 90s. And it was an experience unlike anything you could ever have at that age. It was, uh, you know, a, a, a very uh, a, a crazy uh, growth process for me growing up in the middle of all of that. And, you know, the culture and the atmosphere was just unlike anything that I had ever seen or been a part of before. And, you know, you go somewhere else and it's just not the same. And that was big for me to be a part of that and to grow up in that. And then uh, as a young man, go to college there myself and experience it for myself in the classrooms, in the dorm rooms, in the student unions, you know, all over the place at the functions, just having myself a time. And it's kind of, but, but I still remember, uh, even with all of that, you know, we, there was a, a Catholic school, not a Catholic school, Catholic church. Uh, on the campus uh, that we would go to and watch uh, Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw on Mondays. And we were flipping back and forth. You know, it was a bunch of us college students. We would go to uh, like this little uh, room that they had for like TV watching at the Catholic Church. And we would all get together and watch Nitro and Raw and flip back and forth between like right there at the height of the Monday Night Wars and the you know late 90s early 2000s <clears throat> and to experience that with so many other people because it was just me for the longest time uh, when I was younger and then getting to college and other finding a group of people who were like yeah man we watch it too it's like yes Let's all watch it together. My people. Yeah. (laughs) I have found, you know, I've found my people. I have found my purpose to walk in here. And it's not to go to class and any of that crap. It's to watch wrestling (laughs) with my friends. And we would just, and then that's when, you know, the whole uh, passing tapes around thing and, you know, getting videotapes of, you know, stuff in Japan and, and ROH and all that stuff uh, back and forth really started and began with me. And that's where the real like studying and watching and falling in love with it came from. And uh, that's, you know, watching illegal cable to watch ECW pay-per-views. So, you know, just getting the illegal box and trying to watch that stuff. It was just that that's where the that's where it really started to just crank into high gear for me. And that's where the message board started for me. That's where the the promo leagues started for me. 
was right there around that time and doing that kind of stuff and just getting really diving deep into the love of professional wrestling. So it's a time that, you know, it, it, it's something that I'll never forget. What's the promo leagues? Well, you know, there are things called E-Feds. I don't know if you know. This. Of course. Yeah. Yes. That's a lost art yeah. form, isn't it? The E-Fed. Yeah, the so, E-Fed. So, so you, were, you, were, you were, so did you have a, a custom character on an E-Fed or were you an existing wrestler? I did. Who uh, was the custom character? Come on. <laughs> the first character that I did in E-Feds was a guy called the innovator Chris Wells because I was a big fan of the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. So I was like, I'll just be the innovator because I don't want to steal from Tommy. So I'll just be the innovator, Chris Wells. And I was on the message boards typing up my promos. And Chris Wells was actually, the pictures that I would use was a Booker T. So it was Booker T was the innovator, Chris Wells. And I would type my promos on the message board and talk about what I was going to do. And it was very <clears throat> like Ric Flair-ish uh, in you know, the stuff that I would say but uh you know it was it caught on really quickly uh with some of the guys on the message board i was winning championships all the time because of you know because i love to cut a promo time i don't know if you know this i may have noticed that you are one for a champion. promo sir yeah yeah because we had there's an efed uh there's an efed on tiktok now uh the uh it's uh 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 uh, and I was the former uh, TikTok World Heavyweight Champion uh, for a little while. And uh, that was a lot of fun because I used to cut promos on TikTok, like one minute promos on TikTok. And it was just, that was before you got on, I think. And it was just uh, it's still and I still do it from time to time, not on there, but in other places like on Facebook that I don't tell people about. But I still love it. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, I love. You know, cutting promos and you know talking about what I'm gonna do and saying you know that you know this is this is how because you know I get real like into it, so it's a lot of fun and that's where a lot of that started was back during while I was in living in Grandma. So that was the um, that was where the the love for the Roman Reigns Jey Uso match really comes from because you know you, as as great as that match is, it's kind of a promo built into it as well. So yeah. it leans They're into that sort of E-Fed like type situation. Yeah. He's basically just cutting a promo the whole time, which is just a lot of fun. Nice. And, you know, it's, you know, the whole time he's just talking to Jay and he's just, just talking to him, you know, I'm going to put you down. You know, you better acknowledge me. Just acknowledge me. Just end it. Just come on. And that's why you love it. Okay. And, that, and that's yeah, yeah. It's back. It's back. Sorry, I, I, I had a thing pop up on there, and I was trying to very subtly get rid of it. I didn't want to interrupt you. There we go. Okay. I've done that now. It's fine. It's fine oh, now. Yeah. Um, but Wait. you you talk about um, creating the innovator Chris Wells. You talk about entering uh, wrestling promo challenges on TikTok, becoming the TikTok champion. Oh. Was there ever a point during uh, during college during? Uh, your, your, your formative years that you you made a thought you thought maybe i should get into wrestling was there ever a thought to become a wrestler yourself basically <clears throat> yes oh absolutely uh i work with uh and we'll be back up and running because uh independent wrestling in louisiana had kind of stalled for a while because of the state commission uh i work with an independent wrestling promotion here uh by you independent wrestling if you look online for a couple of different matches 
Uh, you'll see me managing on the side. I'm not wrestling, but I'm managing. I take a couple. I took a couple bumps uh, from time to time, uh, but I'm managing. Uh, but I've worked with uh, Skandar Akbar and uh, Sanjay Dutt and uh, Vordell Walker and uh, Cassidy Riley and a couple of guys who have worked with uh, WWE, NWA, that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> Barrett Brown, who's with uh, NJPW Strong now uh, with Stray Dog Army, uh, he and I have done a couple things together, which is really cool. Um, that, But I, yeah, absolutely. But the one time, I don't know if I have I ever told you about the one time I actually tried to train. Uh, and and I, I think you wrestling. may have done when we had our initial chat about a year ago for the yeah. news podcast. But I think there'll be people that, that may have missed it. So I would love you to tell yeah. me again if you don't mind. So we were in uh, Marshall, Texas, and I was doing ring announcing uh, for this show. And they were doing some training before the show started and they were like you want to get in and do a couple of things I was like, yeah absolutely because i was like you know if this works out well and i do pretty well maybe i could actually you know get in a match or two so i get in and start running the ropes and everything's going fine until uh at one point i take a, a clothesline wrong and just twist the heck out of my ankle and end up having to go to the er and i'm on crutches for like a, a week or two because it's just swollen like, like taking a clothesline how do you twist your ankle taking a clothesline that's impressive like, how does that work <laughs> you know that's, yeah, how does that work so that was the sign to me from the heavens to say hey ring announcing managing that's your thing <laughs> not not don't do this don't you know you you have a future you know you have a life that you wanted to no, just yeah but they've toyed around with the idea of me participating in matches here uh in the next little bit uh just as a kind of a, a special attraction thing where it's like this this wrestler and this guy you know tiktok zone yeah. against these guys and just get me in for like one or two matches uh so you may see the professor in a uh, in a wrestling ring in 2022 Oh, uh, just, that's, you know, just... that's exciting. But I feel like the managing role is is so in your wheelhouse. Like, oh, man. Oh. And, 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 and with, with a, due to a lack of, of, of information about what you do there, um, I, I don't know how you play it because I do a little bit of managing for a promotion here in the northeast mm-hmm. of England. And I really, really like being a bad guy. Oh, that's how it I started. It is the most fun. <laughs> Yeah, like how I started doing it uh, was I was a plant at first and uh, this uh, heel uh, runs up on me and pushes me through like three. I was in the front row and he pushes me through like three rows of chairs. And the funniest part was going back to the restroom after I get finished with that. And there's a kid standing next to me while I'm in the restroom. He's like, that's why you don't talk to the wrestlers like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he had no idea that it was all a plan. But you and, play along, uh, right? You have to. Right. I was like, what? I was like, yeah, maybe next time I won't do that. <laughs> and so we get down the line and they make me a special guest referee for a match between that guy and a good guy. And, uh, and it's a uh, false County where no disqualification match and end up turning on the good guy and siding with the bad guy. We formed this heel stable. Funny enough, re- ready, wait for it, called the Inner Circle. And dun, this dun, was dun. back in the early, 
like like late 2000s like around 2008 2009 uh where yeah so i was i managed the inner circle before it was in aew (laughs) so that's 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 pretty funny uh either you're in or you're out and that's that was our whole tagline it was just really cool to do and uh i was a bad guy for the longest time and then they did a shutdown on uh the the company because they needed to retool a couple of things kind of like what ROH is doing now, mm. uh, but they brought it back up a couple of years ago and when they did the the head booker he's like hey you know well, we're gonna bring me bring you back because everything is going on with you because at the time I was working in my church and you know I had become a school teacher at that point back when I first started doing it I was a college professor which is where the professor Nick Harrison nickname came from and. He was like, we want you to do to be the commissioner now, which is my current role with them. Uh, we want you to be the commissioner, but we want you to do like a we want you to be a good guy. And I was like, cool, that works, you know, because I was a, a family man uh, working in my church, all of this stuff. So I sw- I did the face turn uh, and uh, that's where we are now. But, you know, man, like the heel role is just so fun to play. Like you're just talking to the kids in the first. Shut up! You don't talk to me like that. You better cheer this man. He's you know just it's just so much fun to do, and it's and and especially when you do it well and they truly hate you. That is without magnifique, Tom. Just the best. I, I so yeah, when I, I love doing the. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. Please. You no, no, please go ahead. <laughs> too, we're too polite, and this is this is the kind of point I was going to make when um, when I got approached to, to to be a heel manager. I remember my good lady saying, "I don't think it's going to work because you're too nice." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, thanks for the thanks for the support. It's appreciated." Um, and then she ended up watching uh, one of the bits that I did, and she went, "Actually, I'm wrong. I really hate you doing that. Like, yeah. brilliant." She said, "I actually hate you." Great, that's that's all we want. And if and that's if, what, that's you have point. to love me, and you're saying that, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the best, man. When people who really like, like some of my best friends would come to shows, and they'd be like, "Man, I really get, don't don't talk to me. Like, don't stand <laughs> next to me right now. You are just the worst. Why did you have to talk to that kid like that? Like that kid was standing too close to me. Like, what do you want? He's breathing on me while I'm trying to manage this match." <laughs> I don't need any distractions like that. Little rug rats breathing on me, giving me their colds, giving me kid germs. Yuck. Stand over there. Stop talking to me. Just it's just a tremendous the best just fun. tremendous. The best fun. Yeah. Let's get to your second match then, Professor. Well, we've had uh, Jay Uso, Roman Reigns, and a very emotionally charged I quit held in a cell between those two uh, from last year. What would you like your second match to be, sir? Uh, second match would be WrestleMania 21, Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels, which was, you know, the, first of all, the background to that match, the lead up to it gave us so many fantastic moments, uh, top of which for me would be Sexy Kurt, Make your ankles uh, which is just, you know, <laughs> it, I think I'm cute. I got gold medals. I got the moves that make them all tap. Got the angle slam, the ankle lock, Marty Jannetty. Still can't walk. I'm just a sexy curse. Sexy curse. I make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. Oh, just the <laughs> best, man. Like, just such a fun moment. Uh, sensational Sherry. Rest in peace. 
just the best kind of stuff. And then the match uh, finally took place. And what a, you know, this one was your five-star, like, Matt classic match between these two guys. Just two, you know, and first of all, you got uh, JR and King calling the match. So right off the bat, you you, you know you're going to get just orally pleased <laughs> with you know what you hear in the match and the, the the animosity between these two it was palpable this was back during a time where you know they still had the brand split split between raw and smackdown but they would have interpromotional matches at wrestlemania because if you remember that was the wrestlemania that had the match between randy orton and the undertaker which was an interpromotional match and one of the undertaker's better matches at wrestlemania and this first of all wrestlemania 21 which is great all the way around to me. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match. You have Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. You have The Undertaker versus uh, Randy Orton. You have JBL versus John Cena in his first WWE championship win. This was the crowning of of, uh, Batista and John Cena as kind of like the faces of the company at that time. So this match in the middle of all of that was probably the best match out of all of them because the back and forth between these two, the way that they just put it all on the line in this match, uh, how they were able to both get, you know, their stuff in and still, you know, look strong and, you know, the will to compete and survive in this match between both of them, uh, how the fans, even though Angle was, you know, very much hated at this time, you know, big time heel. And the fans were going back and forth in this, you know, let's go Angle, let's go Michaels, back and forth between the two of them. Uh, What Sean was able to do, just what Angle was able, just so many different things. Like, first off, the Kurt Angle moonsault into nothing is just one of my favorite moves in all of wrestling. Like, he may have hit that moonsault like two or three times, and one of the times he hit it, he broke Bob Holly's arm. So... (laughs) (laughs) The batting average was pretty bad for that moonsault, even though it looked beautiful. (laughs) No wonder people were always rolling out of the way from that because they didn't want any appendages broken. Uh, But the way that he was able to to make that just look so pretty uh, was always so cool. Uh, The springboard moonsault that Michaels hit, you know, on angle to the table was just poetry. Uh, the sprawl at the beginning of the match, just the way that they, again, storytelling. Like uh, the first match that we talked about was storytelling, but majority the majority of it was like, cut, like basically cutting promos in the middle of the match. In this one, they told a story with the move, with the way they were able to do things. The beginning of the match, how it starts with Michael slapping angle in the face, and then Angle just taking him down and sprawling with him and trying to overpower him with wrestling. And then Michaels with a with a headlock. Like that headlock sequence with Angle went on for like a couple of minutes during the beginning of that match. But it just told a story of, okay, you want to do that? Then this is what we're going to do. And then they start brawling and just going back and forth. And the, you, you know, JR talks about it at the beginning of the match, the catch and catches catch style. Catch his catch can style of Shawn Michaels against the technical prowess of Kurt Angle 
all of this really came to the forefront. They were really doing each other's stuff throughout the entire match. And, you know, the way that the match ended with Sean basically saying, you're going to have to dang near break my ankle for me to tap out. And then Angle basically dang near breaking his ankle to make Sean tap out was just, it's just beautiful, man. And that's, you know, the first match we talked about, the the Roman Reigns-Jay Uso, that's one of my favorite matches to watch. I don't think it's one of the best matches that I've ever seen, but it's one of my favorite matches to watch. This one is not only one of my favorite matches to watch, I think it's one of the best, it's, it's the best wrestling match, one-on-one wrestling match I've ever watched. It's the best I've ever seen. And this is somebody and... who has watched like NWA, early years WWF, early years WCW, you've seen it all. And and you're saying and this this match from O5 this right here is one of the best. This this match for me is quite possibly the best match that I've ever watched. And yes, I have watched a, a ton of wrestling, but just the story that they tell during this match and what they're able to do, uh, you know, hit pretty much hitting every spot, just on the nose. Uh, it 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 just really speaks to me, and that's one of those matches where I can go back and watch it and still just be into it the whole time where I'm just yelling out like, angle slam! Oh my God, it's over. It's over. No, it's not. Oh, wow. It's just, it's, I, it's just so... There's those kind of matches where no matter how many times you watch it and how many times you go back to it, you can still be emotionally invested into what you're watching. Those are the matches that you love to see. And this is one of those matches. It gives us one of those great moments. And, and it's one of my favorite moves of Kurt Angle. And it's really, I think it's quite underrated for what it is. It is actually the most devastating finisher in, in WWE history. You know, so suck on that end of days. It's This is the true <sighs> most deadly finisher ever. Because it's one thing to have the ankle lock. It's at the end of this match where he's got the ankle lock on. And then he grapevines. And right. it's that little thing that Angle does when times are really desperate. The moment he grapevines that ankle lock, nobody ever survives it. There's always... Because you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. The only time that, that it didn't win a match was 03, the SmackDown Iron Man match between Angle and Lesnar. Angle, in the dying seconds of that match, puts the grapevined ankle lock on Lesnar and the time expires before Lesnar taps yeah. out. Because And it was great because knowing how powerful it was when he grapevines it, everybody went, oh, this is it. Angle's going to win it. And the literally yeah. time was the enemy there. And, and it was great to see that pulled out again because it's simple but effective and it's always devastating. And Sean and Angle were just beautiful together. Where did you watch that match out of interest? Uh, I was at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, ordered that one. Uh, I remember specifically uh, because WrestleMania 20, I had on DVD. And I used to watch, and that was, you know, uh, the triple threat match at the end uh, for the title. And uh, what was it? Uh, Evolution versus Rock and Foley. That was 20. The 21 was WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. And I really wanted to order that one and watch it live because of all the because it just looked like a great card from top to bottom uh so i'm at home watching this just going absolutely berserk uh watching these matches because it started with eddie and ray and that they were tag team champions at the time and that was just a great back and forth match uh just basically rivalry between you know just you know who's who's better let's see who can come out on top in this one so it was a just a great 
WrestleMania from top to bottom, and it's my, probably my favorite WrestleMania to watch because of the matches, because of it, and that and it and that WrestleMania gave us all of the trailers with the wrestlers, uh, you know, doing all these different movies and stuff like that with uh, Kurt Angle doing When Harry Met Sally. Yes, yes, yes. Just... <laughs> tap, 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 tap. <laughs> Just so good. And uh, John Cena and JBL doing A Few Good Men. Uh, just so many great moments from that WrestleMania itself. Uh, and again, this was the highlight for me. But just, you know, watch I, I love that WrestleMania. I can go back and watch that whole thing uh from top to bottom now and still just be as enthralled into it as I was when I first watched it. Um so yeah. Was Nick Harrison Professor Harrison when you watched that? No. Uh I was still uh college Harrison. Uh was the plan or... to at this point to go into teaching or was there something else on your mind? At uh, the plan was acting. Uh, at this time, I was I wanted to become uh, an actor. That's what I was in school for at the time was uh, acting. I did six years of theater, uh, four at Dr- Grambling State and two at Louisiana Tech, getting my master's degree. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when that WrestleMania came around, I was getting I want to say I was getting ready to go to Ohio and do uh, a show uh, called Blue Jacket, the uh, epic outdoor drama. Uh, where uh, I was riding horses and wearing loincloths, and there may be pictures of this lying around somewhere. <laughs> where, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was in much better shape back then than I am now. <laughs> I was about, I want to say, about fifty pounds lighter, and uh, just, just some spindly kid uh, in his early twenties, one uh, to live the dream of being an actor. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's what the plan was at the time. Uh, ended up coming back home because I had, uh, you know, uh, issues with uh, when my mother was sick and I came back home to take care of her. And uh, that's where the teaching came into play because uh, I was uh, waiting tables at a Chili's and uh, somebody from the theater department at Grand Lake State. Uh, was there and they were like what are you doing waiting tables you should be doing this that other I was like when I told them the whole story of why I was back home and they were like okay just come by and see us uh, there's a new head of the department we got a he's looking for somebody to bring in and uh, that's how I ended up becoming a college instructor uh, at my alma mater uh, teaching theater uh, and speech funny enough I'm teaching speech classes uh, for years uh, so that's where that really came into play, uh, was doing that. So had um, things in, in the real world uh, gone a different way, um, what was the... What was the hope you was what was the hope to go into acting to do? Like was it to be uh, TV? Was it to do film? Was it to do theater? What was the plan? All of it. All of the things, Tom. All of the All things. of the things. I love Lady Theater. Love theater. Theater was one of my, you know, theater is where I cut my teeth in acting and uh, being able to do uh, probably one of my favorite uh, gigs as an actor. Wasn't even a gig. I was in grad school and I, did, I played uh, John Falstaff in Henry the Fourth Part One. And it was just I, that that meant the world to me because Falstaff is one of the greatest characters uh, that uh, Shakespeare ever wrote. 
It's one of the only characters that Shakespeare wrote that appeared in more than one show. And he was just brash and brazen, big guy. I never forget, uh, I actually had a gigantic afro at the time. And the director of the show was like, do you mind if we cut your hair? Like, no, I don't mind at all. But he didn't want to cut all of it off. He just wanted to cut a big bald spot in the middle of it, like uh, <laughs> Fred Sanford. Oh. And he's that, and he wanted to cut it himself. Oh, so gosh. he got the the he so he got the 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 the, the razor and the, the shaver, and uh, he's dancing around like the guy in Reservoir Dogs while he's cutting my hair <laughs> and just taking it off piece by piece and laughing and I don't as know he's cutting the middle of my hair. Came in and <laughs> he's just cut, dancing around. <laughs> I got the feeling it's all right. Zoop. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just having a blast. God, he was just having a good time. A by the middle of my head. Yeah. And I was the one who had to live with it for months. So I'm walking around campus with a hat on my head and a big Bozo the Clown tuft of hair underneath the hat when I'm going out in the public because I don't want people to see that I got this big balls by the middle of my head. This is just crazy. But, you know, that's that's acting, man. You know, you, especially acting in college, you, there's a lot of stuff that you do. Uh, to kind of get ready for roles and, you know, you grow your hair out, you cut it off, you lose weight, you gain weight, you wear big suits that make you look like you're 400 pounds and you're sweating profusely for hours underneath the hot theater lights. But that's what you do, Tom. And so that's, but the, that's what, you know, the dream was to do, you know, acting, you know, whether it was TV, whether it was a uh, film, uh, whether it was uh, stage, it was just to act and do stuff. And there are some people that I was doing that stuff with uh, back then that uh, ended up having fantastic careers on uh, stage, film, and TV. Uh, I don't know uh, what is it, uh, Star Trek? Is it Voyage? Is which the new one uh, that's on uh, Paramount Plus? Uh, the new Star Trek, uh, the Captain. Oh, oh. Uh, she was okay. She uh, was in your class. She was not. She wasn't in my class because she went to Alabama. But the show that I did in Ohio, she did the same show. We worked together for a whole summer, and she's uh, Sneakle Martin Green. She's just fantastic woman, and uh, just it's always cool to see the people that came from the same places that I came from uh, that are doing well now. You know, you got some folk who are working with Disney uh, and doing stuff with them, both animated and uh, the stuff on Disney Plus. Uh, I had a friend of mine who's uh, who I who I went to school with in Louisiana Tech that's working on uh, the story of Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. Excuse me. Wow. Uh, so yeah, and she's doing stuff with them, and it's just it's so it's just really cool to see some of those folks that I came up with doing their thing, and they're looking at me now. Some of them are looking at me like, oh wow, look at all the stuff you're doing on TikTok. You're freaking famous. Like no, th- that no, I'm I'm just just you know. I'm just one man. I'm nah, just, no. I did that. Yeah. Stop that. Yeah. 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 So it's just, it, that's, I think that's a lot of the stuff that I learned back then. I'm getting a chance to use now with what I'm doing on social media with the TikTok stuff and all of that, putting the acting training to good use uh, with all of that stuff. And I, I, I'm glad to see that it's come to fruition the way that it was. It's not ne- necessarily what I dreamed of when I was in college and, you know, spending those nights, you know, at work calls and doing all these shows and stuff like that. 
but to see that I've been able to kind of niche my own path uh, with it has been just really fulfilling for me. And I'm very happy with how it all turned out. How did you gravitate into the, um, obviously you've told the story about how you got into theatre, but how did you find acclimatising going from sort of wanting to forge your own career in acting to forging other people's? Well, you know, the whole acting thing, I kind of had kind of taken a back seat because, you know, while I was teaching that, uh, you know, while I was teaching uh, theater, I was kind of still looking at different roles and stuff like that. I did some extra work and that kind of thing going back and forth. So because there were a lot of movies that were being filmed in the state of Louisiana, uh, especially in my part of the state in the top part after Hurricane Katrina had come through because a lot of films were supposed to be done in New Orleans. They ended up coming to North Louisiana because they weren't able to do it in New Orleans or in South Louisiana uh, because of all the damage. And so I was still doing stuff like that. But then when uh, the, when that stopped and I ended up going into education uh, in elementary education, uh, I kind of just let it all go. And I wasn't even doing stuff on social media, like talking about it. You know, all of the boom from social media started uh, right after everybody went on lockdown here in the States. And I started uh, uh, working uh, with a company that was uh, providing uh, enrichment programs for children of people who were working on the front line. And uh, one of my coworkers was like, you know, you need to get on TikTok. And I was like, no. And I ended up getting on and I just, I was having a whole lot of fun, but I was still using what I had learned to uh, my benefit uh, for it, for, or, you know, making the videos and stuff and the lip syncing and the acting that goes along with it, because that's what I was doing before I was even doing any of the wrestling stuff. I was just doing funny videos and, you know, people really gravitated toward it and like it, liked it. And then the, the, then the wrestling stuff started to hit and that really just became a thing. And uh, so it's, so being able to use what I knew and had learned uh, towards this uh, was very beneficial into uh, how it has become successful. But I, at the end of the day, it's still a whole lot of fun for me. Just like theater was, man. Theater was just a lot of fun for me. Uh, hanging out with my friends and acting and doing these shows and just enjoying myself uh, was really what it was about and what it's still about now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Talk about the TikTok stuff. So um, you've been convinced to get up, to get onto the app, and you start doing what you're doing. And you and when did you notice that the stuff that you were doing was was catching on? The follower count was just growing exponentially and really quickly. It seemed like every other day I was hitting a new milestone. You know, you would see some people and they would have this amount of followers and that amount of followers and. I was, you know, just modest in the stuff that I was doing, you know, because, you know, you can't go live on TikTok until you have a thousand followers. So that was my thing. I was like, why can't I go live like all these other people are going live? And they're like, well, you don't have enough followers yet. So, okay. So I, they started going up by hundreds. It was like 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. It was getting likes. And the videos at the time uh, were averaging at a thousand views a video, which for somebody just now starting out on TikTok is pretty good because, you know, you got some people, if you get up, there's some folks who are in there, if you get a hundred views on a video, it's a win. And I was getting like a thousand views a video when I first started. Uh, and it just started to grow and continue to grow and grow and grow. And then when like verified accounts and like big creators started uh, you know, duetting my videos and following me and sending me messages and saying, hey, you know, I love what you're doing. That was always crazy to me. And it still blows my mind every time it happens. Like just recently, uh, you probably saw the video, uh, uh, Ken Shamrock started following me on TikTok. And I was like, the world's most dangerous man. <laughs> and you know, when you get video, you get messages and you see these follows like uh, uh, AJ Francis, the former top dollar from WWE, uh, he, who's has, who has begun to grow his account on TikTok. And he started following me and we're talking back and forth, getting messages from uh, from him, from Leo Rush, from all these different guys who are watching and seeing what I'm doing. Like, hey, man, keep up the good work. We love what you're doing. That stuff still blows my mind. Where it's like that's when I that that to me is the sign of you know yeah you you're doing pretty good when you get these messages from these big accounts and these big time people on social media who are watching your stuff and are really enjoying your stuff like when the whole corn ABC video blew up and um, <clears throat> Jonathan Davis shared it to his Instagram story. That was, to me, one of the first big moments where it was like, wow, this is something that's actually happening, and that's crazy. And the and the followers started to blow up and just keep growing and growing and growing. And I still get kind of a, a, a kick out of seeing my notifications and seeing the 99 plus 
at the bottom when I'm looking at TikTok and seeing that. That's and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's just that that stuff still get I still I still get a kick out of that kind of stuff. It's it's just it's still still surreal to me that this kind of stuff is happening, you know, and you know, go being being a teacher and educator and now in administration um, where the kids are coming to school and they're like, you're the TikTok guy. When are you going to put me in a video? And that's when I know, because this is their stuff, man. Like they're the ones who care about the blue check mark. They're the one who cares about the follower count and all of that stuff. And they're like, how did you do this? Oh my gosh. And that that's when I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. It's the big you among other videos that you've done for TikTok. I think loads of people, and you know the the reason why we're talking on this particular platform is is the wrestling entrances. They're they're these just pitch perfect, uh, absolutely nailed entrances from Ross uh, uh, from WWE stars and, and other AEW stars from across uh, history. And 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 as you say, you have had lots of wonderful interaction. Dave Batista loved what you did, and that was exciting yes. to see. And among others, and and this all led to among other things you appearing on wwe show the bump so how did that conversation start with you getting on the bump well i was in the middle of uh, standardized testing uh here in the states and uh we were doing a we were in the middle of a test and the test had ended and this is when the tiktok had really started to grow and i had over, I'm, I'm, I believe I was over 100,000 or so followers at the time. Uh, I can't, I can't even remember the exact follower count, but it was pretty good. And the kids are like, "Can we make a TikTok?" I said, "Sure." So one of the kids had an idea to do a TikTok of me entering the classroom as the Undertaker. I said, "Sure." So I had somebody go to the back of the classroom and work the lights. So they turn the lights out with the gong and. Then I walk in, and when I raise my arms up, they turn the lights back on. And WWE saw it and started following me and sent me a message. And I was so that's what was crazy to me. Where I get this message in my inboxes from WWE, I was like, WWE, you have to follow somebody back in order to get a message from. So they're following WWE's following me? <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, they sent me a message that was like, yeah, we, we love your content. Uh, would you like to come on our morning show, The Bump? And I said, yeah. <laughs> what, what actually happened, uh, to be candid, what actually happened was I see the message, and before I respond, I ask the person that's working in the classroom with me to uh, watch the kids so I can walk out for a second. And I walk and I go into this breezeway that's right around the corner and I immediately just start sobbing, like loudly crying, because this is, you know, you know, we talk about, and you asked me earlier, you know, have was there ever a time where you just, you know, wanted to be a professional wrestler, where you wanted to be in the business? And, you know, I was working with the independent promotion at the time, but everything had stalled because we were in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so I was like, so this was to me, you know, the height of validation of what I'm doing. You know, they they see what I'm doing. I, I I felt seen in that moment more than I'd ever been, uh, more than I ever felt seen before uh, because they were just, 
you know, they, they wanted me to be on it. They really wanted me to be on because I told them, you know, we're in the middle of testing, so I can't do it right now. They're like, okay, just we'll, we'll find a date that we want you to come on. And they kept, you know, up, up with me and they kept asking and I would tell them, you know, this is when I can do it because I ended up doing, if you remember watching the bump, I was in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. I was at a teaching conference in New Orleans at the time uh, because I, I, but I had to fit this in my schedule somehow. So it's like, we'll just do it here while I'm on the, and I, mi- I missed a couple of sessions to do this, but they totally understood because it's freaking WWE. So getting the chance to talk to those guys was just the height of all of this stuff that I've done so far, you know, cause I had been on the bump and I uh, talked to you on cult and we had done the news thing, the, the deal on cultaholic and, uh, and we did the watch along within your house as well and like stuff like that has really just been you know the coolest thing ever to me you know to get recognition from like somebody a friend of mine uh tweeted the other day about how eric bischoff had been on wwe and AEW programming in the same year and i was like yeah i kind of feel the same way (laughs) because i've been on wwe programming and AEW had just been sharing my stuff uh, like duets with my stuff all over uh, social media on uh, and uh, Bleacher Report had been sharing my stuff too and it was like just wow like this is this is crazy this is insane you know 2021 was just a crazy year for me and I, I and this is a great way to start it uh, start 2022 is on graphs because graphs was something that I had wanted to do for the longest time and people have been asking for months now they're like when are you going to be on desert island graphs it's like we, we it's coming i promise it's coming i love tom whenever he whenever tom calls i'm gonna pick up the phone so yes this is going to happen and so it was, it was I, uh, yeah, full yeah. disclosure something we 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 talked about last year and for whatever reason uh we we only just got the i, I think i think something happened my brain wandered off and then i went right you we've got an day down this is gonna happen now this is gonna be because and it's yeah. nice because it's like because i did i did mine the other week and i think everybody kind of thought oh it's, is that the end then because i'd always said i'll i'll do mine last or something but then i had to kind of go no 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 it's we, it was a christmas bit of thing that we did it's carrying on now i can go you're on so it's fine we can move on don't you ever don't you ever leave you can ne- <laughs> never <laughs> but it's no. Do it. I, if if James Corden decides to leave your country, I'm happy to swap with him. <laughs> please, please, you yes, come on, I've, come I've, on over. I've asked Alex. Front row. I've asked the good lady about it, and she says she'll happily come and live in LA if she can just sit on a yacht and drink cocktails while I'm at rehearsals. I said, yeah, that's fine. We can we can do that. <laughs> so if if you ever if, if, if Corden never changes watch. his mind about I'm being in. there, I'm I'm over. I'm absolutely your Reggie. Yes! I'm here. Yes! Ready. We've got a Reggie. Bring it in. We've got a Reggie. That's what we need. But no, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I love hearing how much all this means to you because, like, we're very kindred spirits in, a, in that way because for so many people that you see doing wrestling-based stuff online, there is, sometimes you you look at them, I'm not going to name names because it's not fair, you look and you see there's no light in the eyes, you know, there's no there's no joy in the heart anymore for it and and I kind of turned up in 2019 to do this job with just like 
wide eyes because like this is and you know in the same way that you you got emotional talking about when you got you know asked to go on the bump like it was similar for me coming here coming i say here looking around my spare room but <laughs> but you know what i mean figuratively yeah. here not this is just my spare room is there a cat behind me no he's not there um but <laughs> sometimes he sleeps there when i'm recording these um but it's but i felt the same because like it's wrestling has been uh, outside of, of of doing radio like it's been the thing that's walked beside me my whole life so to get to do yeah. it like why why wouldn't you be excited by it like why wouldn't right. the passion be there it's the it's the coolest thing in the world to get to be to be a part of it and uh and like, i remember this is when i started doing it that was why I, I, I fell in love watching what you do on tiktok and i was like this you just seem like the coolest guy in the world we we need to i, I want to reach out and make sure that you know because that's another thing that i think that we need to do more of in 2022 and you're brilliant for this and i see the way you interact with people and it's so I, I, that sounds really cold when i say interact with people you talk to people um mm -hmm. and um because we are all as a people so quick to talk up when something when we have a bad experience and we're less so inclined to talk up when we have a good one and, and I'd love to see more of more of the latter in 2022. More people just going, I enjoyed that. I appreciate you, uh, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. And and you're very much a beacon yeah. of that um, whenever that's, I see you. That's online. what I do, because I want people to know that I, pre you know, this. This was never a part of the plan, Tom. Like all of this stuff, all of this media, all the attention, it was never part of the plan. I got on TikTok to entertain people during a pandemic because there are a lot of people who were just going through really dark times. And to get some of the messages that I was messages that I was getting at the time from people who were like, uh, you know, I'm going through a difficult time at home. Uh, I've got PTSD. I'm dealing with this chronic ailment. And your videos make me smile. They bring you know, a light to my day. And I truly appreciate you for that. You know, that's what it's about. It's about giving other, giving people an opportunity to connect, you know, and engage with you. Because so, for me, it's not just, you know, just a blanket statement of saying, I appreciate you just to throw something out there. I truly appreciate every single person who follows, every single person who retweets, who reposts, who likes, who subscribes, who I, I, I love every single one of them because it, you know, that's not something that they had to do. That's not something that is required of them, but they choose to do it because they love what I do and it makes them happy. And they make me happy through their happiness, you know, being them enjoying, you know, if people didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. You know, if it was just me, you know, there are some people who are on social media to try to get famous. There are some people who are on social media who want the attention, who want the fame, who want the spotlight, who want the blue check mark. I didn't get on there for that. I got on social media because, you know, there were people, I didn't get on TikTok for that. I, I got on TikTok because. I wanted to be able to entertain people because that's something that I've always felt, you know, drawn to doing. It's, you know, that's me walking in my purpose. And if I can kind of connect with them through that and let them know that there's somebody out there who loves them, who appreciates them, 
who thinks the world of them, then that is something that I'm going to continue to do because there are way too many people in this world right now who don't hear that on a regular basis, who aren't told that they are loved, who aren't told that they are appreciated, who aren't told that you, they mean something to someone else. And I, that's, that's a large portion of why I do what I do is to be able to connect with people who love wrestling, who love music, who love comedy, who love God. Uh, that's that's who I am, and that's what I always do, and that's what I'm going to continue. On your um, on your Twitter bio, above all other things, Bills fan, WWE fan, star of the bump, TikTok star. Uh, above all other things, is child of God. Uh, how has religion kept you? focused and driven during the last awful two years uh that is uh, a number one that is the forefront um you know that's how i was raised uh that's who i am that's how i raised my child you still always put god first in everything and that's what I do. I'm not. I'm not here to minister to you that are watching. I'm not no, here to minister to big, Tom but Campbell. It's a, but it's a big part here, I know, of I know. who you are. I, yeah, yeah, I, I wanted I, to I touch on it. I, I, right. I know. No. 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 And I'm glad that you did because that's not something that I'm ashamed of. But I just don't. I don't want people thinking I'm here to convert you. And you know, da da da. No. 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 This is. I, this is just me speaking my heart. And I. That is how I live my life is by putting God first in all things and knowing that everything happens for a reason. You know, God uh, put, you know, puts you in these positions for a reason. I truly believe that, you know, when I say walking in my purpose, that, you know, that is part of what I'm saying is that, you know, God has ordered my steps to do these things on social media so that I can connect with other people and give them this, uh, this connection. And uh, so I can get the connection as well. And for me to be able to pour into the lives of others, because, you know, I work in my church, uh, tomorrow night, I'll be teaching uh, a Bible study to uh, fourth and fifth grade young men, uh, because that, you know, that's what I do on my Wednesday nights. And on Sundays, I go to church, and I read my devotional, and I pray every day. And it's, you know, that's part of my life, and that's part of who I am. And that's what has helped to bring me through uh, these past couple of years is knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm covered, I'm protected, and that there is <clears throat> a supreme being that uh, has always, that is always going to have my back and always going to protect me. So, and that's why, you know, and even in some of the videos that I post on social media, you know, I, I talk about my, my religion openly. I've never been ashamed to let people know that I am a Christian, that I am a child of God, and that is, you know, something that I learned back when I was doing theater uh, in college, one of my favorite college professors, uh, he would always say three things that you always put uh, tantamount, your God, your family, and your work. That's what you do. So, and that, you, that Twitter bio is the, is it, that, that kind of outlines that because the first thing I have is child of God. The second thing I have is father. And then after that is all the other stuff that and I then do. the work. So, yeah, so it's your God, your family, your work it's in all things. Always one, two, three. Um, you, you are a man of not only you not only do you love wrestling promos, but you you, you give wrestling promos. And this is kind of a, a, a weird sort of religion, Bible, promo based question that I'm going to shoehorn in here. 
is there right. a particular um, passage, line from the Bible that you hold on to during tough times? Um, or one that you lean towards I, on a regular basis? I can't remember the exact book or chapter or or what number verse it is, but uh, one sends a thousand of flight, two sends 10,000 of flight. Meaning that when you're on your own, then you still have power through God. But when more than one person come together in prayer or, you know, just to come together to talk about the great things that God has bestowed upon them, then so many great things can happen. And that's kind of what this whole social media thing has become because it's not just me. It's all these other people who are coming together to talk about these things, to bring positivity and light to such a dark, dark place that is social media. You know, through my job working with kids, uh, especially now working with junior high kids in the position that I am, that I'm in, uh, so many of them just are on social media and doing so many just crazy things through social media, especially in places like Snapchat, Instagram. It's all just, you know, he's talking about this and she's talking about that and then they end up fighting and all this stuff. And that's, you know, social media can be a very dark place. So I try to spread love and positivity through what I do and then hopefully the love and positivity that I spread and show touches somebody else and that person shows love and positivity that touches one two three four five different people and they show love and positivity you know just like darkness can spread light can spread as well so when you are able to with other people spread positivity throughout this whatever it is you do then you're really working towards real change and making a difference and that's what i try to do in all things and that's one that just really sticks out to me is you know one sends a thousand flight two sends ten thousand flight so when you can get more than one person together uh to spread love positivity and light then you're really doing the world some good I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you very much. No problem, my friend. Many people. Um, we've got one more match to get to for your for your desert island, but but before we get there, uh, you also are allowed to take with you. I like to spring this on people. It's nothing bad, I promise. Um, you're also allowed to take with you uh, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Uh, so if I was to say to you, and it's nice to ask this without. Uh, without without a bit of a, a preamble on it, because it's interesting to see what the the first ones are that spring off your head. So, when I say to you, you can take a movie with you. What movie would you take? Friday. Straight in there, Friday. Why Friday? Oh, uh, the Friday was a coming of age film for me. Uh, I remember being in. This, this is funny. Uh, when I was in high school, I was in Future Teachers of America. Uh, so it was something that I looked at when I was uh, younger. And uh, when we were doing a, a summer camp kind of thing, 
uh, in New Orleans and the counselors, because I was what, a sophomore in high school at the time, the counselors took it to see the movie Friday because it had just come out in theaters. And it was unlike anything that I'd ever seen before. And it just blew my mind. And it's still to this day, uh, probably my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I can quote it just about word for word, bar for bar. Just an amazing, amazing film. And uh, for a young African-American male coming up uh, during that time, it, you know, it really spoke to me. And so that would be the movie, because I could watch that movie a million times over and just laugh uncontrollably, you know. And so I just, yeah, Friday would be the movie. Nice. What about an album? What album would you take? Uh, I would take The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Beautiful. Uh, uh, about as close to a perfect film that you would that you can ever really not film of uh, album. About as close to a perfect album as you could ever really get. Just pitched perfect. Every single song just nails it. Just nails it. And again, that was around the same time for me as a young man in high school. I think that was a couple years after Friday. Uh, I was uh, getting close to the end of. I think Miseducation was like late 90s. Uh, it was another coming of age album for me because I loved, I loved Lauren Hill from when she was in the Fugees anyway. And then she came out with her, her solo album, Miseducation. And it was from the beginning of the album to the end, just an absolute masterpiece of an album. So that would be the one that I take with me because you can run that one back and forth and never miss a beat. Either that one or 24K uh, from uh, Bruno Mars, which again is another album that from beginning to end just nails it. Mm. Absolutely nails it. So yeah. I like it. I like it. How about a luxury item then? Now, as luxury item, when you say luxury item, like, uh, can you give me an example? So it can be um, an item that has some uh, personal meaning to you. It can be uh, a bit of technology to keep you entertained on the island. It can have sentimental value. For example, items in the past have included PlayStations, Xboxes. Uh, we had James Storm bringing toilet paper with him. Uh, we had somebody bringing a body pillow with them. Um we have people bringing artwork okay. with them. Um, gotcha. Some people are bringing pets. I know that. Uh, I know that Sienna wants. To, Alison Kay wants to bring her cats, so that's fine. So you don't have to be a pet. Don't feel like if you have pets that you, if you take them, you're a bad <laughs> pet owner. It's fine. Stop looking at me like that, Pablo. I might take you. I've not decided. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting evil. He's gone now. Um, so. So what would you? What would your luxury item be? <laughs> Uh, my luxury item would probably be my Zubaz. Nice. My, my Buffalo Bills Zubaz. So no matter where I am, I'm still a part of the mafia. Amazing. So I would take my Zubaz with me. And plus, they're comfortable. Just walking around with them. They're very comfortable. They're airy. So they're good in cold weather or warm. So it just it really just goes f with the flow. And the island vibe, really, mm. would be the Zubaz. So, yeah. I'm sad that the Zubaz <laughs> thing, like, it kind of it disappeared over here. We had... 
Um, they were obviously MC Hammer in the nineties brought them kicking and screaming into the culture, but uh, <laughs> over here they just vanished. But I know, like you still see a lot of art, a little a lot of sports stars wearing them over there, and I gotta bring done, it back. Could have done with a with huh? some nice Zubars during lockdown. Huh. That's the one thing huh. I regret. You need to bring them back. I need to bring Zubars like, back. You need I? to be. You need to be the person to bring them back. You need to put them on, wear them all the time. <laughs> I mean, just every day you're in the Zubas. They go well with a nice sport coat. I think you could you you could really make you could bring it into the forefront, my friend. That's that's all you, Professor. Do not threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll send them to you. If I'm wearing Zubas next week. And Alex is giving me weird looks for it. It's it's on you. It's on you. The, Send them to me. The prof- I, w- I will. Me. I will put. I will put her on and say, prof- the professor made me do it. I did. <laughs> Not gonna lie. It's me. Let's do your third. It was me, Austin. <laughs> it was me. All all you bought him. <laughs> oh, what a time. Your third and final match. Good, sir. So we've had Jimmy, uh, we've had Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. I quit Hell in a Cell. Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania. What is your third and final match going to be, Professor Harris? My third and final match will be Hayabusa and Jensei Shinzaki versus RVD and Sabu from Heat Wave 98. I feel like this was uh, a ECW traded match. Uh, this was actually an illegal uh uh, an illegal uh, cable box match nice. uh, back when <laughs> I was uh, 17 years old. Uh, this was right before my 18th birthday. Uh, I was spending time with uh, some family in uh, South Louisiana, and they had uh, illegal cable boxes all over the house. I think I'm like, I don't know if I'm telling on them, but I think statute of limitations nice. uh, kind of protects them at this point. We're good. Uh, to any coppers that are watching, hey, chill out. <laughs> uh, but they and uh they had the illegal boxes and i remember that heat wave 98 was coming on while i was down there so it's like well i'll sit here and watch before i go to bed and i was just glued to the whole thing some great matches just oh because i went back and watched some of it uh, a little while ago uh and so what just you know because that was during the height of the triple threat uh, you know, with uh, Shane Douglas and Bam Bam Bigelow and Chris Candido, and uh, they had uh, well, they had a match with Chris Candido and Lance Storm, uh, that was really good. Uh, and uh, this was the one with Bam Bam Bigelow and Taz that was false count anywhere in the building. They went all over. Uh, they were in Dayton, Ohio, and they were all over that place. And uh, that was the one where. Tad, he sent uh they went through the ramp because in their first match uh bam bam put Taz through the ring and in the second match they ended up going through the ramp uh just putting a big hole in it and it's just, it's just and then the uh dudleyville street fight uh with the dudleys versus uh spike dudley uh tommy dreamer and the sandman uh which was just a great match and then uh god rest his soul new jack ends up coming in uh i think during that match and just absolutely wrecking shop uh so it was that that was the height of ecw and when they were just really really you know pushing the envelope with a lot of their stuff and this match 
was one that a lot of people were looking forward to because it was a couple of, you know, uh, guys from uh, the Far East who were coming in. Uh, and uh, I want to say Jinzei Shinzaki had already been in the WWE. Uh, uh, was, was his name Hakushi? Or something Hakushi, like that. Yeah, the guy he was, the, was Hakushi yeah, yeah. in WWE. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just so he had been seen over here before, but not like this. And uh, this was during the time where uh, RVD and Sabu were kind of at odds with each other, you know, because RVD was like, you know, the whole effing show. Uh, and he was just, they were having internal disputes with each other because, you know, Sabu is, you know, like he doesn't want RVD taking all of the credit and that kind of stuff. And that played into the match as well. But just, I look back at this match and I'm like, the stuff that a lot of people complain about with tag team wrestling now they would have been livid watching this match because I don't know if anybody touched a single tag rope. Nobody touched a tag rope in this match. Who cares about a tag rope? Ah, but it it's kind of like this match was for a lot of people a precursor to the kind of tag team wrestling that we see now uh, with the back and forth action, the in and outs, all of that stuff. Um uh, the extreme uh, nature of the match, you know, the tables and chairs and all of this uh, and just the work that they're doing with each other and, you know, how the guys always talk about, you know, got to get your stuff in, brother. Everybody got their stuff in. and But it was just a really cool match to go back and forth with and it was the epitome of what a tag team match in ECW at that time was. And it reminds me a lot of what tag team matches tend to be at times in AEW, especially this style of match. So getting to see it and the, you know, it was just a fun match to watch. It's always fun to me watching young Rob Van Dam uh, in his matches. It's always just really cool to see. And uh, I I just, this is probably my favorite tag team match uh, to watch, uh, just even from back then. But this whole pay-per-view, like Heatwave '98 was just the the epitome of what ECW was back then was Heatwave '98. Oh, it was just it was the it was the the bit of everything, and I think people always assume that ECW was just all the hardcore stuff, and there was a lot of that, granted. But if you look deeper, if you looked sort of beyond the front page of the book, you would find technical wrestling you'd find international stars that come in from from japan and from mexico doing stuff like this and you'd find this tag match which is just mm-hmm. a, a beautiful and again it does resonate with some of the matches that guys like ftr and the young bucks are having now these sort of they're these frantic fast-paced tag matches that is that are bringing tag wrestling back uh, i think that mm-hmm. wwe like and does you know they do a lot of stuff right to wwe and i don't think they get enough credit for stuff they do right but the one thing i feel like they've always had a love-hate relationship with is tag team wrestling and mm-hmm. and, and just truly building a tag team division to be proud of and i feel mm-hmm. like that's where aew is really excelling at the moment because they have that very distinct uh work work-based tag division that they put a lot of time and energy mm-hmm. into you know? like I, I, the matches i think 
are what really shine through with that philosophy and how the matches are conducted because you know they had you know WWE has a tag division and they have some great tag teams you know but I don't know if they're all used in a way like this or like in the matches for AEW you know I don't think they're used the same way which to me, you know it depends on what you like whatever meets your loaf right mm-hmm. but, you know but you know, AEW I the this match uh, kind of reminds me of the kind of style that they have now with their matches. Like you said, it was a great word that you used, frantic. The frantic pace back and forth between, the, you know, the two teams and what you're able to do. And uh, I think guys like FTR, Young Bucks, uh, Pride, uh, Proud and Powerful, um, uh, 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 the Lucha Brothers, uh, Private Party, just some really, really good, uh, the Infantry, who I dearly love, Carly. Shout out to Carly Bravo and Sean Dean. Love those guys. Just the 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 tag team division and the matches that they have are just so great. And but again, like people who trip over a tag rope would lose their minds <laughs> watching a match like this. Like they would be absolutely living like. Not even following the rules of <laughs> traditional tag team. Re- Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! Hey, hey, guy, look at me! Shut up! Stop! It's a great match. Why are you can't? They're not hanging on to the rope. You're gonna, Shut you're up. gonna bring out, you're gonna bring out heel, Professor Harrison, manager. If you carry on like that, come get, come get me, come get me, nerds. <laughs> come on. Hey, if hey, if hey. people, if people. <laughs> I love how I like how this is really grinding your gear, sir. I guess the, the, the compl- tag rope, the, the complete <laughs> stone. <laughs> just, just so ridiculous. That's un. Um, if people want to come get you, um, where can they find you? Where can they find you, sir? Plug away. In the street, Tom. <laughs> I am outside your house. I'm next to your bins. We do this in the street, son. <laughs> what you want? No, we're... Take your shoes off. Come <laughs> and fight me. <laughs> Queensbury uh, rules. Mr. Let's Mr. go. <laughs> and we're not holding on to no dang tag nuts. So <laughs> Hold on to your tag nuts, mate. Not your tag nuts. <laughs> That's a horrible, horrible thing that I said. Happy New Year. What <laughs> of the children, Tom? No, for oh, someone that's, think that's of another the great children. part about that. That just reminded me of a line from that uh, Roman Reigns Jay Uso match where he's like, "What am I supposed to tell my children, huh? What's supposed to tell my kids? <laughs> what am I supposed to tell my kids, Tom?" <laughs> oh yeah, what I'm. Oh God. anyway, uh, outside Mr. the street, where could people find you, Professor? Uh, Mr. <laughs> Professor 318 on all social media. If you search uh, search it on uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you will find me. Uh, and I am there. Uh, we just passed 875,000 followers on TikTok. And I cannot thank uh, folks enough that. Uh, and Twitter, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, as you probably know. Uh, just 
interacting with people and talking back and forth because uh, I love the interaction so much. So yeah, uh, that's where you'll find me on social media. Uh, looking to do some really big things in 2022. And uh, this is going to be a great year and it's already started great because I've been talking to you. And as you know, Tom, I cannot end a broadcast or stop uh, doing a something online without saying, you know, for anybody who's watching, if you have not been told today, you are loved, you are appreciated, you are important, you are more than enough exactly as you are and always you're going to be great. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 